Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Welcome to River City Church, everyone. If you're here and you've been here before, cool. Thanks for coming back. If you're new, awesome. To start off, we actually we read from the lectionary uh, to start off the service. What is the lectionary? Glad you asked. Lectionary is a Latin word. Lectionus is what it means. And in the dictionary, it means to lection or the act of lectioning. <laughs> I think. I haven't read it, but I'm assuming that's what it says. Um, but no, lectionary, we just read scriptures that the universe or the church, churches all across the world read together just to unify the churches. So today, we're reading Psalm 1, and I will read it for you. You don't even have to read here. That's another thing we do here. Uh, Psalm 1. So blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the shaft that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, the thing about the scripture that, that really jumps out is uh, to where it's, I feel like it's David being able to communicate the delighting in the law of the Lord. Where I would say a lot of times we look at just trying to follow rules or follow the law. But he's showing for me like delighting in the law of the Lord to me is understanding what the law is and knowing that his ways are better than ours and knowing what he, the destiny that he has for us, the calling that he has for us and being able to allow ourselves to feel the delight of being able to follow Christ and what that means for us. Um, and even just the, a tree that's planted by streams of living water. Uh, that was something we were even sensing in, in prayer this morning uh, before service to where it's, it's this pulling back, it's this stillness of even in this moment that we go into with worship, it's being planted is abiding. It's being able to stand still and just being able to fix your gaze on Jesus and being able to worship and allowing yourself 
not to create that delight, but allowing this connection with God to bring delight into our lives of being able to realize how good he really is. Uh, so that's, that's the posture we want to take into worship. We just want to realize that uh, as we're worshiping God, we're really just being fully present in this moment, allowing God to delight in us and us to delight in God and us to celebrate God. So that's, that's what we want to take into it. So I just want to pray into that. Um, Jesus, we thank you so much that your laws are built on delight. They were built to be able to establish relationship, not just to follow rules, but as we just fix our eyes on you, that we focus on you. We don't have to focus on following laws. That's just secondary. That happens when we just lock in with you. God, even in just this moment as we worship, Lord, let us just be able to feel your presence, understand that you're present here, that, that we don't have to beg you to come, that you're already here, God. So we, get, we can just fully be. We can just engage with you. We can celebrate you. We can express our love and our adoration to you, God, knowing that that stirs your heart. But that's our calling, God, to be, to be worshipers. So Holy Spirit, we want you to lead this time. Not only in this worship, but in the message and everything. God, just have your way. And let us just open ourselves up to be able to connect with you today, no matter what our circumstances are, God. We know you want to encounter us, and we just open ourselves up completely as a body, saying, have your way. So, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. just sit for a second in your love. We open our hands and we open our hearts to your love. And I want you guys to just imagine that your heart is unfurling like a flower. It's raising its head to the sun. And it's easy to be closed off. And it's easier to hide. It's easier to have walls to each other and to Jesus. And I want to invite you this morning to open up to his love. Jesus, we stand again as a people in desperate need your love and we are grateful that you are with us and as we move into prayer this morning there's two things one is I want to remind you guys that this is a portion where we truly bear each other's burdens and this is the part of the service where it's important that you have a voice and that you are not watching me up here, but that we are praying together and entering into prayer together and interceding together. Um, our worship journey for today has been understanding the heart of Jesus that was revealed in the Beatitudes, this idea, blessed are the poor and the hungry, those who cry, those who feel excluded, the misfits, the aliens, the refugees. And so I want to pray with that in mind this morning. And so let's shoulder the burdens of each other and the burdens of our world together and 
lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Will you say that with me this morning? Our help comes from the Lord. And one more time. Our help comes from the Lord. One more time because you feel it now. Our help comes from the Lord. Yes, the maker of heaven and earth who will not leave you. He has not left us alone. And though we look around at the world and it may seem like we're alone, he has not left us. So we pray as the people of God. We pray for the people throughout the world for our leaders at RCC, for this community in the gathering, for the unity among the body of Christ. Will you just speak that word out, unity? Ah, oh, we pray for unity. We pray prayers for peace, for goodwill among the nations. We pray, God, for the things that are happening in the world. Will we shoulder as the richest country in the world, the people with the most material things by any intents and purposes look like uh, we need nothing. Will we lay that down to pick up the burdens of our brothers and sisters around the world? So I want you guys to speak out things you've seen, you've heard on the news, you've watched happen this week that has drawn out compassion and empathy in you. Will you speak that out? Things that have happened in the world this week. for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, those in prison, those who feel alone, those who feel forgotten. Will you give us compassion? Will you break our hearts for what breaks yours? We pray for the needs in this community, in Smyrna, and in this body, if you guys will speak out needs at RCC or ones that are closely related to you.
God, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege to share each other's burdens, the gift that that is, because we, in sharing each other's burdens, remind each other that we are not alone, that you are with us. So teach us how to do that as we leave these four walls and as we encounter the poor, the hungry, those who cry, those who marginalize are marginalized. Will you teach us to be with? We love you. We thank you for your grace that we received this morning to simply be here. In Jesus' name. All right, so I'm going to jump right in. I'm just going to be honest with you guys today. There are passages when I preach them at times, I'm like, this is going to be one of those people are like, this is good stuff. I can feel a part that's like, that's going to be the portion where it's going to be like, I got my aha moment. This is not one of those sermons, okay? This is not going to land well. This sermon is not going to land. You're not going to leave and want like do some coloring with your kids. None of that's going to happen. And... I'm not necessarily nervous to preach it, but I realize the implications when you preach literal biblical things at times, people just don't want to hear it. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to preach it. I'm a little bit like, all right, I'll do it, I guess, if I do it. I have a friend in California. We go back and forth about a passage, and we did for more this week than we ever have. And we've been actually walking through content about revealing Jesus and what does it look like? Who, does, who is he, right? Who is Jesus? What does he look like? As you look through the Gospels, and so a few weeks ago, we taught about Jesus' mission when he was picking up the scroll in Isaiah. When he shows up at a synagogue, which is what Jesus did, he would just travel around, and, and in that time, you could just, I'd like, to, I'd like to teach this portion. Sure, do that. And he was handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he opened it up to Isaiah 61, and he basically says to the church, this is my mission, and it is fulfilled today. Cleverly actually taking a part that was in Isaiah 61 and removing it, right? Jesus was very, like, edgy in this. He takes out the, the part that would be, like, saying it like it is. Like, the vengeance of the Lord is the only thing he takes out. He leaves the rest. He's called to this, the poor. The, he's called to this, he's called to this, and he leaves that out, speaking about, this is what I'm about to do. You're about to see, as I travel around for the next three years, I'm going to do these things. This is what my ministry is going to be about. And then we talked a little bit last week, was it last week or maybe it was last week, the, the, the common grounds of the gospel and how in Corinthians, the church is struggling because they're having all of these divisions happening, some about sexuality, some about how the spiritual gifts should be used, some about crazy stuff. And so the first part of that whole book is about unity in the church. And they get to this passage we talked about last week, and he says to them, you need to back away from everything except the common ground. And the common ground is this. Jesus was alive, he was killed, and he was raised from the dead. Celebrate it, build your foundations around it, share stories about it, begin to go back to that. When you feel like, I don't know what to do about this, secondary issue, I don't know what to do when people are coming at me, go back to that stuff and dive in. Share your story again. How, were, how did you receive the gospel, right? Like we talked about, share your story sometime this week, not in a, in a way that's like creepy, like, I'm giving you my story whether you want to hear it or not, but, but share stories about how Jesus did this and faith will start to be built. Step away from the things that arguments start on. I also talked about how this is not an optional portion of the gospel. 
the part where Jesus was died and raised for our sins, is, it's, it's not a metaphor. It's not a pretty picture to talk about how lovely our God is. It's legitimate. It really happened, and we believe it with everything, and because of that, we can, we can put our, our claim in it. So that's kind of the foundation to this week's passage. So the questions that have been raised are the kind of questions that make you ask, if you're listening, what does it actually look like to be a disciple? What does it look like to be a disciple of Christ? And there's a lot of different ways that people say to do this. And so if you follow Jesus' teachings, some themes start to come out. I mean, one of the biggest ones is just without even having to fight anybody, completely selfless. He is extreme selflessness. There's no version of him that's the dominating leader that sometimes we want to become or have seen in our lives where we demand things. That's, he's selfless to the point of death, right? This is not an optional portion of his character. This is the content of Jesus. These are the things that you extract. Things like humility. Things like sitting with those who you shouldn't be sitting with. Things like loving the people who are outcasts. These are the this is the content, right? He does other things as well, but this passage today, this passage is one that makes me have to look at the areas in my life where I don't want him to go. I'm okay, I'm okay with him, like, I'm okay with talking about wanting to have a better Christian life. I'm okay with, like, praying. I really want to be a stronger believer. I'd like to be more selfless. I'm okay with praying things like that, but when he says things like he says here, it's jarring to the point where many of us will not listen, especially in America, in the world, in a season where good and evil is decided by what makes us happy or unhappy. There's no more. You can't look at a Christian community anymore and be like, oh, they're building their faith around biblical concepts that are historical and true. There's people building whole movements on whether this makes us happy or not. There's things being written, rewritten right now that were never meant to be rewritten, that are based around, do I, do I enjoy this? Do I not? There's people disconnecting from the community of God to build their spiritual life around only the portions of the Bible they enjoy. Never having to sit in relation with other Christians and having to have different kinds of people that celebrate God and connect with Him differently. They just, this is just that's natural. Like you talked about, there's 100,000 denominations now. There's a conference for everything you want, right? There's a conference about getting as much spiritually as you can. And there's a conference saying that if you focus too much spiritually, it's called strange fire and you're all going to hell. There's a conference about only reading the Bible. There's a conference for youth ministries. There's a conference for worship. There's a, whatever you really want. And that's not bad, right? Like that's not a, a bad thing, but it can't remove you from having to have discussions about things that you wouldn't choose, Christianity just can't be what you choose, right? Does that make sense? Who is in control of your Christianity? It's like one of those quiet moments. Jesus, Jesus, you, me? Like whenever there's a spiritual question with our kids, I was like, Jesus? I'm like, man, our kids are so smart, man. They, you guys are really prodigies for the kingdom. So he has to be where we get our ground zero from. He has to be what informs what we believe. He has to be, when he says something, we have to be able to say, I'm putting myself under this, not over it to say, do I like this portion of what Jesus is saying? And so the Gospels do a really good job of talking about the core and content of Jesus' heart. One of these passages is today. I keep trying to like avoid getting there. 
I'm doing it. I'm going in, guys. I'm going in whether you come or not. All right, so I'm going to read Luke 6, 17 through 26. And he came down from, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. All of the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. That's amazing, by the way. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said to them, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when people exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. And rejoice, right, when that happens. Like we all do. Like, yeah, this is fantastic. Rejoice in that day that all of those things are happening when you're poor, when you're hungry, when you're reviled, when you're hated. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you. Everybody say, woe. Woe. Woe to you who are rich. For you have received your consolation. All right. Woe to you who are full now. For you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. For you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to false prophets. Amen? <laughs> uh, so, and this is just a beautiful passage, guys. So, here's what we typically do to this passage. We want to tame it. We want to tame this and put it into a metaphor because it doesn't fit into our society. We're the top 2 or 3% of the richest people in the world, every person in this room. Even people who have no money in this room have access to things that people in other countries have no access to. We are the richest people in the world right now. So when we read this passage, of course, we're, this has got to be a metaphor, right? Like, got to be a metaphor. This is not talking about my wealth. Couldn't be doing that. But Jesus up to this point has been doing a lot. Jesus has traveled around. Jesus has been baptized. He's been given his identity. He's gone into the desert. To, to be tested by the enemy. He started to preach the good news. He started to have arguments with religious leaders. He goes up a mountain to choose his disciples. He comes down to a level ground to have this conversation, to a level place, it says. The level ground and his eyes begin to look at them. It's one of those moments. So this is what's fascinating to me about this passage. We would capitalize on this and build a, a ministry around healing right here. Like that, just that, I'd be like, JTM is starting, Josh Turner Ministries. Um, level Place Healing Ministry, LPHM. This is fascinating to me. And, and I believe Jesus still heals. I believe that. But he does all this healing of, of like real things, unclean spirits. Like that's already too uncomfortable for some of you. And actual physical ailments. And all were healed, right? All were healed. And in that moment, he doesn't do a teaching on healing. He brings this content. And I was talking to my friend. I was like, why would he do that? Why would he not do that and be like, oh, Jesus heals? You all need to know that Jesus heals. And here's why I think this is. Because he knew that these other things that they were thinking on and chewing on and that the reasons they came to him 
would still be on their minds if he didn't. Because the deeper healing was what's happening here. The surface healing is our flesh, flesh healing, right? Like, and that's not bad. But the deeper healing is always the healing that happens in the heart. So he heals the ailments in the unclean spirit, creates a connection, and doesn't dabble in it anymore. Not that we shouldn't. Don't hear me say that. I believe it, right? I pray for that. I actually feel like today I want to pray for people to be healed. I feel like there's people in this room that are sick. We're going to pray for you. But there's a deeper healing that has to take place, a much deeper healing, the healing of the heart. And if he can heal the heart and restore the heart, so much more can happen. We won't want to build JTM ministries or level place healing ministry or healing upon healing, flowing water, healing, healing ministry or whatever. Not that those are bad, but Jesus gets their attention by removing the thing that might keep them from listening. So good. He's so good. He's good at what he does, right? We should probably listen. But then he says to this group of people who are disciples, tons of people have been healed. He then looks to his disciples. And we, there's actually more than 12 here. There's like a bunch. But I, I imagine it's his 12. And he has this really honest conversation. And he looks them in the eye. And it's, if you have a mentor or somebody you really care about, when they like gather around you and they're like, like this kind of talk, you listen. Or you feel really uncomfortable and do like the dance away with your eyes like I do. But he says this to them, and, and here's, what we have to, here's what we have to interact with and we can't avoid. We cannot avoid this. We cannot avoid conversations that don't have quick endings in our faith. We can't expect to just receive a couple nuggets today to add to our promises of God that we put on the back of our toilet. This is an invitation to us to have to wrestle with so many things, massive things. It's an honest conversation, we tame. So, oh, this is hard for me because I typically get on a soapbox here, but Jesus is really strengthening me to be wiser because of him and not to be so uh, bent on making a stand for things that are secondary. Uh, and don't, don't hear me say, I, I don't think I'm wise. I think I have a large tendency to get on a rabbit trail like this one that I'm on. But we go on retreat, and this was two weeks ago, and I've always been really drawn to Christian television mostly for the wrong reasons, for sure. And so the first night, me and Bill are there, and we an hour and a half of Christian television. And there are now like 30 channels that you can just crank through. And I become interactive with, we both are like, what is go going on? And we extract the content, and it's not funny to me anymore. Like it used to be like, can you believe how bad Christian television is? It's not funny to me anymore. It's, it's too revealing now to be funny. That every channel we turned on was about if you give now, 2019 will be your best year. If you, and I'm not kidding, it wasn't like two of the, all of them. If you'll join this partnership and give now, you'll have the best 2019 you've ever had. And the saddest part about this is one, that people hook, line, and sinker buy this because they care mostly about having the best 2019 they've ever had. We don't even have room for our struggle. And when we're in a place that he would label, blessed are you who are in this space, we want so badly to be in the woes that we miss what's happening. Every channel, I was angry. And we did it again the next night with multiple people. And I was like, this is a bad idea to do in front of our congregation. Every channel, if you give, you'll get this. If you'll become one of these givers, 
This is, uh, there was multiple channels on first fruit giving. Multiple channels talking about first fruits giving, being financially to their ministry so that you can receive your blessing. Do me a favor. Sit down in front of your scriptures. Read the word. Understand that that is not how you're going to be blessed. I'm not trying to make jokes anymore because it's not funny anymore. It's not funny to believe that. All we have to do is do this and then we get all that we want. When what he wants for us looks like this. And I don't have any happy endings for this. But I do know that this is one of our immovable gods that we serve. We sit at the, we sit at the feet of many gods in our society and Western culture. And one of them is, and actually a friend of mine quoted this to me recently, the most common thing we share, the most common thing we share in our nation or Western civilization is that we have no common things to share. The most common thing is that we don't want to share our things. That what we accrue is ours and ours alone is the most common thing. And that is so true. It's true for me. It's true for you. All I feel when I read this and, and see the words of Jesus is I need to repent. Because, man, like I do want a new truck. I, don't, I haven't had a car for a year and a half. It's probably been the best season in relation to like getting places. I can like get out of meetings I don't want to be in. <laughs> I can't meet you. You're, you're too far. We all, we all want so many things. We all, and this is, this is the even more troubling. We feel like to save others is to take them to the woes. That our ministry isn't to introduce people to Jesus. Our ministry is to introduce people to what Jesus would call the woes because this will lead to this. So our, our service to people is to make sure that they do have enough money, that they do have enough food, that instead of an introduction to Jesus in a place that they are going to be more connected with him anyplace else. And for us to put ourselves in those spaces, right? We want so badly for people to be taken care of physically, financially, that we miss all that's happening and we we don't even see that they are in a better spot than us. This is why when Sarah came home from India and Jen, maybe two years ago, like she was a different person when she reacclimated. And can I be really honest about you and your personal stuff? <laughs> She's, she shared this. So Sarah, very outwardly to our community, shared that she had a crisis of faith in some ways over the past four or five years. And like the American system of wealth in church and fame in church and get, you know, it was very, very, not just for her like this isn't good, but this is actually rocking her to the core. She goes to India and she's reintroduced to the Jesus that she loves and she sees. But the thing about India, you get off and you can smell like the fecal matter. You can walk down the streets and you can see poverty way more than we see it here. But you can Feel Like they talked about how they tangibly felt God there in places where there's massive amounts of needs. And that's because when there's a need, it has to be God that does it. In settings where a group of people have decided together, it's got to be God that does it. There God is. The trouble is we live in a society 
stacked with woes. All of us have access to so much, to so much. Like there are people in this room that are so rich, like you're never going to spend your money. You're going to spend it on something that doesn't even matter. You don't need God. You don't need to trust God in that, right? There are people in this room that think about just what's in your cabinet, your food. Think about the food that you have. How much food do you, how many people could we feed with just the food that we have in our house? You don't, we don't really know that kind of, we don't really interact with when we're not in those spots. We have such good access to our God because then he has to, and this is where I do think it's a metaphor. I do think that you are poor in spirit in some ways. And when you are poor in spirit, relationally, uh, addictions, you know in those spots, it's gotta be God or it's not gonna happen. So you sense and you know, this is my source for this. But when we have all that we need, God does not become our source anymore. So we're left to wrestle with, what do we do with this? We don't want to hear this. This is a very real thing. This is a very real thing that many of us will hear and completely forget and hope that next week we're talking about how God wants to bless us, right? God does want to bless us. But blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be fed. Blessed are those who are reviled and hated. You'll know Jesus because you'll have to, because you can't count on the relationships around you to tell you your worth. It'll have to be Jesus. This to me is such good news and such an unfun way to hear. This leaves us on the precipice of a conversation that we have to have with our Father. And so here's how, I didn't want to give you like, here's how you go make this perfect. As much to say, is Jesus allowed to say to you, you have more than I ever intended you to have? And in some of those ways, you don't want me anymore. I'm not saying that. Is he allowed to speak that to you? Because this taps into what we allow him to speak into. Is he allowed to tell you that? If he's not, then he's not over it. Is he allowed to tell you, we have to talk about this? to draw you away to say, what would it look like for you to be poor in spirit? And I think, this is where theologically there could, there could be 52, I think what he wants us to do is level the playing field. That if we see people who are poor in spirit, who are hungry, that we step in, but not just for that, but for deeper, that we are able to immerse ourselves in how this is happening when we don't have to ever look at how this is happening. So blessed are you who go on a mission trip to India and taste and see what God feels like to people who really need him. Blessed are you who have been around people who have been hungry for two weeks and cry out to God like they really need him to provide it. Blessed are you who have been destroyed. Your reputation has been decimated. You don't even know if one person thinks good about you because then you will look to God for your identity. Blessed are you who cry for the sake of a baby who was destroyed before they were born. Blessed are you who weeps that an alien and their family whether you agree or not, is dying on their way to get here. Blessed are you who weep for those things. Because in the weeping, you're putting yourself in that spot. 
Woe to you and myself who have enough so that we can say to God, I don't need you there, but I'd like you here. Woe to you who has built a fence around any poverty around you, any hurt, any harm, anything really happening in our world, and it's vast, so you never have to interact with it. Woe to us who have a massively awesome reputation for God, and everyone brags about us, but we know we're dying on the inside. Because that can happen pretty quickly. So, can I get an amen in the church? Amen. Right? This is the kind of conversation, if we're going to be the body of Christ, we can't avoid. This is the, these are the kind of reasons why people, when they look into the body of Christ, they no longer want what we have. Because we do care more about everyone being blessed and everyone having enough and us being the head and not the tail. That we've lost that Jesus came to die for even the least of these, even those that don't deserve it, even the sinner... So that they would have eternal life. Blessed are we when we become poor in spirit like Jesus is, because then God will be enough for us and those around us. I don't know if this means for you, you write like you give away half your bank account, and just because I would enjoy that for the church, don't give it to us. Do it to someone else. Maybe that means for you hospitality looks like you're going to fight that the most common thing that we share is that we won't share common things, which is literally Acts 2. The whole chapter is about how a Christian community came together and no one had needs. And before you jump on a soapbox, either way, sometimes what you perceive your need to be is not the need at all. And sometimes you think it's one thing, but it's much deeper, and you have to be able to go there. But that whole community lived together and shared and had everything in common. So maybe to you today, maybe you have seven bedrooms at your house because we are Americans. Maybe the next time you hear about somebody that needs a place to stay, maybe you open up a house. That's actually the biblical interpretation of hospitality was giving a space in your house for a stranger. It wasn't just like good ministry with pastries. But that's also, that's also good. So, I don't know how you interpret this, but this isn't meant to be interpreted quickly and moved on from. This is meant to be wrestled with. I gave the, interpreta- or the example this morning. This is like Jacob and God, and, and him being like, I'm not giving up, and God being like, you're going to give up, and then him leaving with a limp. This is that kind of Christian conversation. It's walking out of this like, good Lord, I had no idea that was about to happen to me. It's like being so turned, turned, turned uh, how, how, do they, how do the kids say it, Chris? Turned. Thank you. It's being so turned inside out that, that you now have a new way of seeing the world. It's being, it's being having to look so inwardly that you're not even angry at other people about it anymore. Because this is about you and him and us and him. And I want to read you a quote before I go too long again. And I love this. While in Matthew, Jesus teaches on the mountain. In Luke, Jesus teaches, and just for you to know, the Matthew version of the Beatitudes is a much prettier, nicer version. Like it is joyful. It is, man, it is empowering. Luke is so concerned with the poor. It's throughout this whole thing. He's always thinking about how do we love this group of people? So 
He is speaking not just on the plain, but plainly. If the truth is to be trusted, then this is the best news of all. We can trust Jesus to be absolutely on the level with us every step of the way. Telling us the truth of our lives as he sees us, rather than as a portray ourselves, rather than as we portray ourselves at parties. There comes a time in most lives when the sort of truth is the only thing that is worth the candle. We hear this truth only through our participation in community, the community of lifelong partnerships and families, the community of the Eucharistic Fellowship, the community of those who pray and discuss the scriptures together, the community of service, the community of mutually committed members. These are conversations meant to have with the body. So please be troubled by this today. Troubled enough to have a talk with at least your spouse and maybe your kids and then your Christian friends. But not troubled so much where you think that Jesus is telling you to speak to all those people that were just healed that don't follow him. He's talking to people who he has selected and people who have said yes to following him. These are the conversations we want to have with Jesus. We want him to get right down with us where we are and be like, Sarah, this is, this is maybe not what you want to hear, but this is where you are at. That's the kind we invite him to have. We don't want to just hear about the Jesus of resurrection and not have to die ourselves. We don't want to just hear about the blessings that come and not understand all those who are cursed that we're sent to. We don't want to skip over portions that are uncomfortable to get to the comfortable portions because then it's not the Christian faith. There's meant to be a wrestle. That's why he gave us community. And in fact, I would say this. If you have no wrestle, I imagine that it's much easier to sit at home and have church with you and your TV, it's much easier to not have conversations because you're being given certain things that will help you maintain what it is that got you where you're at. And it's interesting that this community, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep going for a minute. This community for a thousand years would have said, the woes are the ways you knew a blessed Jewish person. This is how they graded blessing. If you had money, if you had all you needed, if you had a good reputation, they would have said, these are the signs that God has blessed this person and he comes and says, no, the opposite is true. These are the people God is blessing and turned over the Jewish culture. These are the people who are blessed, the people who have so little that they have to have God, that they have to have God, that none of this other junk or mammon, as many of you guys know this as, serving the God of mammon and wealth, right? I don't know why I just went back in. All right, you guys will please stand with me. Please, God, help them wrestle with this like I am. God, I just want to openly repent because this is more me than anybody. I want a truck. I want a new bathroom. I want another shirt for preaching in. God, all this is real. How many shirts are in our closets? I have a hundred shirts. This is real. This is our culture. God, get to the heart of what's happening Father, we thank you. Let's just all, I want to just do this. I just want to hold your hands out, right? So Jesus, I love how you have already confirmed in these disciples in this story that they are chosen, that they are blessed, that they have a mission, that they can trust you, that you will be with them, that you'll have hard conversations, but you'll also be protector, that the presence of Jesus for them was the main thing. So you've established that. You're an immovable God who is present with them. You've established that you are 
God incarnate in, in Jesus. You've established so many foundational things that when you had this really tough conversation, they were left bewildered for sure. What do we do? And in the words of Peter, where do we go? It's not that, yes, this is the day that this is the most blessed thing ever. It's more, where else are we going to go? This is, he has the words of life and death. Where else do we go? This is it. This Jesus is the answer. So now we just got to follow. As we move about our days and weeks, help us to wrestle so beautifully with this that it's a level playing field where, God, you are first and foremost the most important thing, where we lean into you. And we hand over our things right now. So the things that, the things, and I would just say it like this. This isn't a shame fest because it could quickly become that for all of us. This is Jesus, the loving Savior, the prodigal father running towards the lost son and daughter, loving so well, saying, you actually think that those things are the blessing. That's the, that's the flaw. I'm the blessing. I'm the blessing. If you get to those places, you're at more risk of not having the blessing. So if you have little right now, shout and dance for joy, like it says. And if you have much right now, God, help us to decipher how to faithfully walk through. Be the community that loves us. In Jesus' holy name we pray. We're going to have a little bit of worship. If you would like to get your kids, we would, um, we would enjoy that because they've been working for a while. If you would like to stay in this room, we're going to have ministry time and worship. Prayer teams can come up. Uh, we love you very much. Father, I just pray blessings over our whole group. Bless us to follow you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For healing. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.